This is the Icon Podcast, a community of trained readers reflecting Jesus with Michael Burns and Jason Alexander. I'm your host, Gianna Hearn. Today is the final episode of the year, and we're going to finish off the Gospel of Mark. Today's focus is on chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. The fellows are on. What's up, guys? Hello. What up? So I'm going to jump right in, Gianna, because yes. I had a tragedy happen this week. Oh, no. What was so, it? Okay. You know the U version of the Bible, the Bible app? Yeah, it's my favorite. Right. And you know how it gives you a reading streak for like how many days you read it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. I don't care about things <laughs> like that, but once it starts, then it annoys me if I don't keep it going. Right. And yeah, I feel you. I'll just say I had a really long streak going, like in the 500 something range. Wow. And then the other day I was using different things and I, I was using the Bible on my computer and I'd never opened the app and I didn't no, realize it doesn't I count, woke up does the it? next morning and it said streak at one. I'm going to be concerned for you, Michael, and ask, are you falling away? I, mean, I know. One day, it was, not on the Bible app. Dude. God does not all, count that. It, it, <laughs> they should give you a freebie or something. It was so annoying. So annoying, let me tell you. And it doesn't even matter, Like, but it, but it does. It annoys I have me. the same issue with Wordle. I don't know if you guys play, but uh, since I've had the baby... I haven't gone on Wordle for like almost three months now, and it keeps a streak, and I had a streak for a long time. So, you know, not the same as a spiritual streak like you, Michael, but I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Uh, you guys are speaking a different other... language. Yeah, I don't uh, even know. You don't really have any streaks, Jason. Well, like, well, I have no yeah, streaks. I have no streaks. Yeah, it's, it's um, <laughs> no, no success. Um, but I'm surprised, Michael, that you read digital – uh, you, right. You read digital so so frequently. I thought you were a kind of you know last like holdout for the print a book sniffer. Know. Yeah, right. A book sniffer. Yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> it's that's a good point. It's really odd because you're right. I I don't like Kindle. I don't like anything else with uh, with books. Except for some reason with the Bible, I use digital for the Bible. No, I understand. I I use digital. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I okay. like the digital version because of like highlighting purposes. Mm-hmm. Totally. I don't like my highlighting to like bleed through the thin Bible pages, and I have uh-huh. Bible highlighters, and they are waxy. And so I I just like the Bible app how I can highlight things. It marks it. It organizes nice. it for me way better than I could ever do. Very well, cool. for but, me, I like to write in books, but I don't write in Bibles because my mother taught me that was a sin. It's a sin? To mm, write in I don't Bible. either. Maybe that should be a so, Patreon topic. She was like, Is if it a you sin? write in your Bible, you're going to hell. Well, and you've kept that. But yeah. she. I mean, she told me that again like two weeks ago. So, um, oh, dang. No, I'm don't totally kidding. My, my mother's <laughs> never told me that. She, I'm going <laughs> to call for my mom so- now. <laughs> You read a Bible with no margin. Like, I never told you that. You know, Michael, I think I heard from your mom on Facebook on a comment on the icon page. I don't know. You, did you see that? I didn't, but you may have. 
Okay, I, I wanted to clarify if it was. If it was, she was saying really great things about me, so I was just going to shout her it's out. It's probably, say, probably because oh. you're her favorite. Yeah. <sighs> well, she's pretty thank awesome. You. <laughs> Your well, mom and dad been, are awesome. Sorry, go ahead. It's been a pretty, yeah, I'm just wrapping us up here on our nonchalant talking and moving us into what we're all here for. Chapter 16 of Mark, finishing out the year, verses 1 through 8. Jason, you are yes. going to read it today. I, re- I know that. I, I remember. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. Um, Mark 16, verse 1. Uh, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go in and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb and when the sun had risen. Oh, interesting. Went to the tomb when the sun had risen. I apologize. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples And Peter, that he is going before you into Galilee, there you will see him as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. All right. Thank you, Jason. You know, we are in reading glasses on, so... Michael and Jason and I will talk about what we see, and I'm probably going to have the men start out here as little baby Z wants to chime in. But uh, <clears throat> Jason, you want to go first? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah. There's a there's a lot of uh really cool subtle uh things going on. I think. Um. Sabbath was passed, um, so uh, we're talking about a new week. Um, first first day of the week, uh, John will put it uh, while it was still dark. Uh, but don't don't miss uh, some of the hints uh, at creation. I think that could be a whole discussion. Talk about how the um, how the gospels each in their own way describe. Jesus's life, uh, Jesus' birth, life, uh, death, and resurrection, as and, and ascension, as cre- with creation, um, creation themes. Um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, the young the young man sitting in the tomb. Uh, I I'm I'm interested in uh, why a young man. Where did he come from? Why dressed in white? Um, uh, resurrection. Uh, this this uh, this gospel culminates in resurrection. We had a, a pretty in depth discussion last week about crucifixion. That, in fact, is not the end of uh, the message. Uh, that the the gospel presents crucifixion and resurrection. 
Um, uh, so that deserves its own, well, series of just episodes, I suppose. Uh, but I think the, 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 the most intriguing part of this passage to me is, is that it's the end. <laughs> like the, uh, there are, uh, there are, uh, there is, we'll probably talk about that. I'm guessing there are, you know, uh, there are manuscripts uh, with with additions uh, to the gospel according to Mark, but um, this is how the book closes. It closes with them running away scared. Um, so it'd be fun to talk about uh, the the takeaway or the the what you're left with as a reader when you end Mark here. Uh, as opposed to the addition, which takes us to, it would be 16 verse 20, which ends on a totally different note. So, uh, yeah, which which uh, which version you read uh, could leave you with a different feeling at the end. So that's pretty cool and curious. So, yeah. Yeah, that's something I didn't recognize until I was reading this. And it says that earlier manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses don't have verses nine through twenty. I'm right. I didn't right. realize that. I'm like, that's a pretty big chunk. So totally, yeah. To see some thoughts on that for this. Um, I thought it was interesting for the women to want to bring spices and to go to the tomb, oh, and yes. then ask like, "Who's going to roll it away?" Like, didn't you guys think about that when you're preparing <laughs> the spices? Like. It, that just seemed interesting <laughs> yeah, to me. Right, um, that's right. a pretty big thing to like not think of when you're planning. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, who knows? Maybe you're overcome like with grief and you want to do things, you know, great and just whatever. But that was interesting. Um, and one and more then, time, Gianna, how do you pronounce her name in verse one? I mean, you said it already, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we'd like to hear you say it, G. <laughs> You know, I just made a joke that is it salami, but I yeah. knew it wasn't obviously. That <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I was trying to get Jason to mess up before yeah, we started recording. Yeah. Well, I, was I like, almost How do you did say that salami. So, well, I almost said salami. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so but um, you know, it's the Italian in me. So, yeah, there it is. Um, but yeah, Michael, I'm going to have you take over here, and you know, because I only gave one thought here, but I'll, I'll let you move on to what you see in this passage. All righty then. So there's, um, yeah, it's interesting. There's a number of things here that Mark could be doing. And, you know, as, as readers, uh, uh, again, um, you know, I think a lot of times when we're looking at what the author intends or what the cultural context or things like that is, it, 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 it's difficult, if not impossible, to say this is definitively what is going on here or it's not. There's a spectrum of more likely to less likely, right? And so there, there's a number of elements that, that Mark might be emphasizing here. Um, Jason mentioned a, a couple of them. I think, I think certainly the new creation element, the first day of the new week, um, some of those sorts of things are are very likely um, mentioning Sabbath being over all all of that kind of stuff, and um, uh, as the women are on the way, um, you're right, G. They, it kind of hits them like they have this discussion about 
the the stone being in the way. And it's almost like Mark is emphasizing they're still locked into the thinking of the present age. Like they're just not catching the drift of what is going on, you know, who is at work here. And so that's the biggest obstacle they see here. And as soon as they arrive at the tomb, they discover that God's already done for them what they thought was the biggest obstacle. And I I find that ironic, and and Mark emphasizes that. Um, As they enter the tomb then, we see a young man dressed in a white robe. That phrase, young man, it's the same phrase kind of that was used to describe the young man in the, uh, previously who was naked, who ran away from Jesus. Now, this, this young man is juxtaposed. He's clothed. He's composed. He's telling them what, what's going on. So there's a very different sort of thing here because it's obviously sort of an angelic figure. Why doesn't Mark just say that? Because I think he's trying to show the the juxtaposition here between young men. So that's that's a pretty good possibility. Um, and and we he, we see a couple times in here they're alarmed, they're afraid. They're again. Mark has had that theme going through the whole book that they don't people don't see what's going on. They don't understand. And so it's interesting how many times he uses that particular word and and this word of perception. They saw a young man dressed in in a white robe. And he says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus in Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. Actually, in the original language, that's more of a passive. He has been raised. Um, And then he is not here. See the place where the, they laid him. It's almost like he's trying to say, "Do you are you following this? Are you understanding? Are you grasping what's going on? Sort of get with the enormity of the moment here. See the place. And then he says, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So uh, again, they saw, see the place. Go there and see him. Mark's kind of beating that drum. And notice um, it's interesting too, because what does what does the young man tell them to do? What's the command he gives them here? To go tell the disciples and Peter. Um and, can and I, I ask think you a question? You can. So and disciples and Peter, why is Peter sectioned off at this point? Yeah, that's a good question. Um I think in the original language, it's actually even a little bit stronger. It's like, go tell the disciples, even Peter. And I think it's that just that natural reaction that probably the other disciples uh, were a little harsher uh, on Peter for, you know, they all ran away. But he, he verbally denounced Jesus. He, he distanced himself. And I think John might emphasize that a little more where Peter's kind of by himself a little bit, like they, you know, he, Peter's off and, and there's probably some hard feelings going on there um, that we can sort of see through innuendo and illusion is there. 
said, so go tell, tell the disciples, even Peter. <laughs> and so there's, again, that grace of Jesus. They're still his disciples. He hasn't kicked them out. He hasn't thrown them out. He hasn't moved on. Um, go tell them uh, that you will see him there. And it says, trembling and bewildered. So they're afraid. They're confused. They are not understanding. The women went out and fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And then, as as you mentioned, as Jason mentioned, that's just the end of it. And it's it's crazy. It's like, excuse me, why is this the end? And I think as we as we get into our next section and start looking at the time machine, we'll talk about that more. But that certainly, I, I think an alert reader would go, that seems like a really odd place to end. And in fact, the, the vast majority of biblical scholars agree that this was the original ending of Mark. This is where That wasn't ended. going to be my question was, would you guys consider this the end? Because I was wondering why you were saying that and we weren't going to continue reading on further to finish out Mark here. Well, we will discuss those other verses. I, I do want to talk about those. And I'll, we'll talk about how they, what, what they are and how they got there as far as we know. But I would say not all, but most biblical scholars would agree that this is where Mark ends. And it makes sense. Mark began his gospel abruptly. He's constantly moving quickly, immediately, immediately, immediately. And then he, he ends. And we'll talk about why he ends there. Um, and I think it's actually brilliant why he does it. Well, I think it's time we move on to the time machine. And let's do it. We'll talk about the context of the time and what's happening. Michael, if you want to start us off there, uh, what should we be taking note during this time and in the context as we're reading this? Yeah, so I think this scene itself is fairly self-explanatory. I mean, we could get into some of the little details that we probably won't um, right now. And with any of these passages, even as as much as we're digging into these passages, I think this is our 37th or something like that episode of Mark. There's still all kinds of things that we could have gone into that we haven't. I had a, a really sharp alert reader um, sent me a question the other day um, to to just me. It, that's why you guys didn't see it. It didn't go to the icon podcasting, but it was to me. And uh, was basically bringing up the idea of three o'clock in the afternoon and Jesus being uh, killed right at that time. And that being the exact time that the Passover lambs were killed. And was there, you know, illusions there? And I said, yeah, Mark, Mark doesn't ever directly make that connection, but I think uh, I think that's legitimate. I, th- I think that probably um, the, the original readers would have heard that echo in there and would have seen that in that detail. So, And we didn't even bring that up. So there's a great, great detail there by uh, a listener. And uh, um, so we don't, we're not going to get to everything here. Um, but I think the big swaths are, again, for Mark, they're not understanding they're, they're missing what's going on. Jesus kept telling them, you know, his disciples, don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid. And so instead of having faith here that, that God is doing something, that Jesus you know, said this was going to happen, um, they're giving into fear and an empty tomb. Um, and I got to be honest, I don't exactly know why they're so afraid. I would like to feel like if this was me in those shoes, I'd be excited. Like, whoa, what's going on? I don't know if their their fear is like they think the Romans are up to something or the Jewish leaders are up to something. And now they're going to come hunting down Jesus followers, which wouldn't be out of the the realm of norm. Um, but there's a fear there. And I think um, I, th- I think the reason why Mark ends the way he does is it's almost like a really good movie. You know, when you have a really good movie and it, it just kind of ends and there's still some questions out there that haven't been answered. And it's like, okay, now it's up to you to kind of make up your own ending and figure it out. Mark, Mark leaves it off right at the point of decision. Like what's going to happen next? What are these women going to do? Are they going to give in to their fear or are they going to turn this around and have faith? Are they going to continue to say nothing or are they going to, uh, trust that God is at work here and go tell the other disciples and, and are they going to see Jesus or not? And, but it ends at the, at that point. And it's almost like Mark turns to the reader and says, now, what are you going to do? I've been asking you to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples all along. How are you going to respond? Have you been like the one maybe who's in close proximity to Jesus, but not seeing, not understanding, like going to church, calling yourself a disciple all these years, but not really grasping the way of the cross and not trying, not having room for it. So now that you know, what are you going to do? What is going to be your response? And I think that's why Mark leaves it off. I'll stop there for right now. Let's talk about that for a minute, and then we can come back to, I I do want to come back to those extra verses, though. Yeah, if I if I could just add, like the, you know, there's a there's a line in in Paul, um, where he says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which in my mind, and he uses that phrase again in Second Corinthians. Now you have to forgive me; I'm not exactly I can't, I can't recall exactly which verse that is in Second Corinthians, but uh, fear and trembling. Yeah, fear and trembling. Uh, I'm thinking appears, Philippians. Do you think? It, well, it appears in Philippians for sure, in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. two. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And then it appears again It's uh, as, as a word pair. And it's a word pair in the second psalm, um, where w- the second psalm is the nations uh, coming to the anointed Messiah. The, the, well, anointed Messiah is redundant, but the Messiah, um, uh, God's chosen king in, in Jerusalem, and they shall come with fear and trembling, and and I think we're we're and it depends on how much you've been paying attention and how much you you've you've got on board with you at this point in in, in the 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 now unfolded uh, story that Mark's telling. But um, you almost are left with the sense that this isn't the same kind of fear we've been encountering all along, um, and. You find throughout Scripture, when a human being has an encounter with God, it's not just in Scripture. I don't know if you've ever met anyone that's 
senses that they've had an encounter with God. You have the same kind of anxiety, this in a very good way. It's a it's destabilizing to the point of being scared out of your mind, right? It's 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 it makes you tremble. There's astonishment. Like everything I I thought was so sure uh feels up for grabs now, but he told us that this would be the case. Uh, I think having this encounter with this as Mark puts it, young man, though I don't I don't think we should think it was just like some young guy out in the tombs hanging out. I mean, this is an angelic encounter, right? Like this is this is a to to where the veil is very thin, so to speak. And to and anyone who has encounters with God throughout, say, Hebrew scriptures, they're scared to death. Um and it makes sense. I mean, you you don't have this kind of experience and walk out of there like, oh yay, let's go. I mean, I, I you know, the, there are other accounts where you sense the joy involved in what just happened. But I love that Mark has drawn attention to you'd be scared, but this is a different kind of fear. Um, but it's fear nonetheless, and it's something worth holding onto uh, to. To follow the risen Lord, to carry the news of his resurrection, uh, should should cause a, a, a bit of, um, uh, should humble you. Uh, it's, there, there, there's a, and I, I, that's what I, I remember we talked about this with the upper room uh, story with Jesus uh, at the Passover meal, like sitting with the Lord, um, who is the, <laughs> The source and telos of all creation. You know, he's like he's the what? What does Hebrews call him? The be the author and the the finisher of our faith. Um, it shouldn't just escape our attention and be like a mundane detail. And I think Mark land the gospel lands with the we could call it religious awe or reverence, but that doesn't go far enough for us. So I like that he said afraid. I like that the translations say afraid. Should be a little afraid. It's a big deal. It's a little scary. And that's how it ends. Um, And I like that Michael said, there is, I think, for a reader now, we're left with, if this is true, be be afraid. Be very afraid. You know, like, be scared. This is a big deal. It'll mean everything that Jesus said about him being crucified and raised is true, which means then that everything he said about them carrying the cross and being raised and losing their lives for the kingdom is also true. Um, so I think um, walking away at this point in the story before we have that additional ending, it really leaves the reader in a spot to wrestle. Not super duper practical, just wrestle with it, you know, which I love. I love that kind of thing. Yeah. Suspenseful. So l- let me add. It's actually that phrase, fear and trembling, is twice in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3, and 2 Corinthians 7, verse 15. It's a favorite so, of Paul's. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he uses it three times. And the other thing I'll say there is um, that was a duh-duh moment for me because, you know, I try to look, I try to pour over these texts and think through them all, and somehow, Jason, it just totally... I whiffed on, of course they have fear and trembling because they just encountered an angelic being. So good catch there. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out why they're afraid. I don't know how I missed that. 
Um, but I missed that one. That that should oh, be I didn't, actually I didn't pretty sense obvious that you, to a reader. I didn't sense that you missed that. I, I mean, I, I I think everything you were saying is dead on. It's that it, you're left with frightened human beings. Like that's just the truth. It's still the case with Jesus. Like we're all we're all a little scared. It's a little overwhelming. Um, and and I I, I just love that. That's the position the author has us in as readers at the end here. It's pretty, pretty, I think so, it's really cool. So let me throw this out then to you two. And I, and maybe this starts to bleed into our, uh, take a selfie, uh, of if not our age, maybe the second century, um, but I intentionally didn't didn't discuss this with you two guys because I want to throw it out at you uh, live here and have you kind of respond to it. So it's to do with this longer ending. And the earliest manuscripts do not have verses 9 to 20. Uh, that shouldn't freak us out. <laughs> that it's, it's, it's okay. We have the original text. But it seems like what happened is in later centuries, quite possibly the late second century. So you're talking, you know, 150 years or more after these events take place and, and still a hundred years more or so after Mark is written. Um, somebody looks at this and says, whoa, that's an abrupt ending and kind of adds a summary. Now, if, you, if you've read Mark carefully and slowly, and then you read verses 9 to 20, you're yeah. like, not the same author. Yeah, right. You don't even have to be, you don't have to be a Greek expert or anything. No, it feels go, different. Oh, it's it's so different. So different in tone and everything. And it's really a summary, I think, of the Gospels and Acts and all of, you know, that that sort of thing. And let, let me just read it quick, and then I'm going to make a comment and see what you guys think about this. So it says, <clears throat> When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they'd heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen after seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied so let me say this about this extra section. Obviously, as we said, it's very different in feel and tone and function. And I, I do think there's some things there that we can pull out and ferret out about the the beliefs of the late second century and things that they practiced and were important to them. 
and there's a, a summary of some of the highlights of some of the other Gospels and Acts. But throughout the Gospel of Mark, one of his challenges has been the way of the cross, that it's not going to be triumphant. It's not going to be all glory and status and power and prestige and victory. It's going to be sacrifice and often suffering and laying down one's life and taking the symbols of power of the world and taking them onto ourselves, oftentimes with great pain and sacrifice. And only then through that, turning it into victory. And this is why I want to throw this at you guys because maybe I'm being too harsh on this, but I see this and I say, this looks like to me a lot of triumphalism, exactly what Mark didn't want his audience to get. They're highlighting, you know, they're taking out non-normative experiences like Paul getting bit by a snake and saying, that'll be all believers. And we'll all have these great signs and we'll all do these wonderful things. And this is how the gospel will be threads through this great power and, and strength. And it's almost like unintentionally, this section is embodying the very mistake that the disciples were making throughout Mark. And that's an interesting, maybe a, a sad, but interesting um, dynamic and, and maybe a further warning to us today how easy it is to slip into that thinking. So what do you guys think? Am I being too harsh on this second century text or am, am I maybe on to something? Well, can I ask you one question? I'd love to hear what Gianna says, but like, so are we, because this is the, I think the thing a lot of Christians would be interested in is, is this then scripture? Um, because it, it, it does start to uh, open up the door for, um, for us reckoning with the fact that what we call scripture is, is a, is a complicated thing to get your head around because this is an addition. It's a later addition. That seems pretty certain. You're, you're, you're right, man. It's like, it has a different tone. It doesn't show up till later. Um, so now, yeah, are, are, is this scripture? Because there could be people who are thinking, oh, you're being hard on this passage. Or you, or you asked, am I being hard? Are you being hard on scripture? Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's so confusing. <laughs> no, it, it is. And, and I think that's an important question in one sense. In another sense, maybe not as important. Because this, this is a small part of scripture, but if it's scripture, scripture is still scripture, right? Yeah, and, and, and that's somebody. That's what I was driving. Somebody at. might cite the end of Revelation, you know, he who takes away any of these words. But at the time that Revelation is written, this wasn't one of those words. This passage was was clearly not there, and I I think there's some evidence that can be pieced together that probably. In the early days of this script, verses 9 to 20, it was probably added on and it was denoted that way. 
it was like maybe a separate sort of uh, like a scri- uh, uh, mar- like almost yeah a scribal addend- addendum is yeah, yeah yeah totally like an, uh, an addendum a postscript and then over time that gets lost it gets so there's in. a lot of people who then read this passage for a lot of years thinking this is scripture yeah um you know so is is that a problem? I don't think this changes anything too dramatically, with the possible exception there's been some small groups who've really latched onto that snake handling. <laughs> I was going yeah, to um, mention that, right? And uh, you know, I, I don't think that's sinful. I think it's a little problematic, but um, overall, no, I I don't think this is scripture. I don't think it's part of the original intent. I don't. Th- I think it it seeped in there slowly later and some people say well doesn't that mean that the bible has errors and this and that no because the holy spirit still has allowed us to find these manuscripts and yeah that's not how it works and there's so many copies that we put it together and i actually have a longer explanation which i won't go into here of why i think some of the messiness of the manuscripts actually shows the power of god to work through human beings in a really faith-building, incredible way rather than a faith-shaking way. But we don't have time to delve yep. into all that right yeah, now. Yeah, you know, that's great. Yep. Yeah, at, at some point, though, there was a scribe or a group of scribes within a within an interpretive uh, community uh, for whom these words uh, felt necessary. And probably that means that they were not surprising and there was this kind of um, story about how things shook out. You mentioned the book of Acts. So, I mean, uh, later on down the road, you'd have this fuller picture. And so it's, it's, um, but, but because it's added to Mark's gospel, it feels, it feels different. It feels like a jackknife turn and it, it, and you're right. Thematically, it feels like it it kind of challenges some of the things we've been reading. Yeah, and and I think also in my mind are the severe misreadings of these verses that really make me feel like it's opposed to what everything else. Like you mentioned, like there are groups that I don't know much about them, but aren't there groups that bring snakes into the worship service and pick them up? Uh, yeah, there's a few. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think they're mostly down south. Uh, that's, I don't I'm not mean to, making fun I, I of don't Southerners. Mean to, I'm, just I'm not even to laugh at it either, but it's just, it's so crazy that these lines would inspire like that sort of uh, approach. Uh, and it just, it shows you that, um, yeah, they, they haven't been integrated into the whole. That's, that's yeah, I feel like a few years ago I watched a documentary on one of those groups and they were following them. And then somewhere along the line, the the pastor of the church like kind of disappeared from the documentary because he had died of a snake bite. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Well, but that's I don't good. think that's that's the intent. But gee, what do yeah, what do you sorry. think? Um, am you know from from your perspective? What do you think about what we're saying about these extra verses? Are we being too harsh on the second century? Do you look at it and go, no, I don't think that it's uh, out of that out of 
kilter with the rest of Mark or what are your thoughts? Well, I think honestly, it probably wouldn't have jumped out to me in the way that you're talking about it just because I feel like I am not yet fully trained on that way of reading scripture, even though we've been going over Mark for a year, but the, the, the yeah, moment you say, pointed yeah. out, it makes a lot of sense. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm paying more attention to it. Cause I probably just read it too quickly. And for me, it probably was like a nice way to wrap it all up. Like, Oh, this is huh? a way to like, clean totally. everything up. It feels like yep. a great ending. Like for, you know, someone that pays attention to like writing, like, Oh, this is a better conclusion. It, this <laughs> right. seems to be a sum up of a lot of things. Um, and the other way seems like it ended on a cliffhanger, which is kind of weird to me. Um, so I think, it would be more palatable if I kept reading on. But now that I pay a little bit more attention uh, or am paying attention to what it's saying here, like I don't think versus uh, like what you were talking about, 17, 18, like they to me don't go in the way that Mark has been going this whole time. Um, And it's just like so much focus on like, it will not hurt them. Like all these things, you won't get sick. You'll be this powerful, like all these things. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not what it's about. Even as Michael's reading it, I was like, it's random. Cause I didn't think that was the point. Never came up earlier. Yeah. That's interesting. Why is that now the, the thought? So that's kind of what I I thought about as you asked the question. Um, I don't think you're being too harsh. And I think it, it helps those that maybe wouldn't take note of it to at least possibly consider is this a little off or why may it sound different? Yep. Yep. Maybe we could put it this way that none of this is untrue. Like these verses are, are, are the truth. Um, they're exactly what, what happened, right? Like these men, uh, and we, we know that they struggled to believe. We know that they drove out demons. We know that they healed the sick, like all of this, they preached everywhere, like everything that's being described here, they did. It's just that it feels like it's been tagged on. That that's the the challenge is you if you wanted to kind of keep Mark's narrative intact, you'd have to kind of put this as a as a footnote or put an asterisk next to it. You can't it, it definitely feels like it's it, it comes out of a a, a, a different world. A tr- well, true, all of this happened. Yeah. It's just, it just doesn't feel like it flows naturally. So I want to agree with you, Jason, but I'm going to push back just a little and see what you think. Mm-hmm. Because I think the events described happened, right, in scriptures. Uh, and, and they're sort of pulled out. But the statement, the way that it's made, I would struggle a little bit with. Which one? These signs will accompany those who believe. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right? Like, that's not a statement Jesus made. That's not a statement I think that Mark made. I don't think, you know, because this is written after the apostolic age, and the marker of was Mm -hmm. something scriptures, did it come from apostolic authority? Yeah. And this didn't. It feels careless. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it, it feels like a it, it feels like the difference between a descriptive passage and now making it prescriptive. Yeah, and 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 again, like that happened. Like this stuff accompanied believers in the Bible. Like we can go read about it in the book of Acts, but that's why I say a lot of my frustration here is with 
um, yeah, maybe how it's worded, but how, how we take this. Yeah, it, it comes off like, well, it says, if you believe these things are going to follow, and it feels like we read it in a very undiscriminating manner uh, because that's how it feels presented to us, because of how it shows up and how summarizing it is. It's just so broad. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm glad it's noted even in English translations, or it'll appear at the bottom of the page in smaller text, or it'll be bracketed out because of everything you're saying. It, it, it can be easily misconstrued. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to um, push back on anything you're, you're saying. I think, I think you're right. It's, it's odd. Yeah, I hear you. And with that, we come to an end of the book of Mark and I'm kind of Goodness. sad. Wow. That was great. That's crazy. I can't believe it. Actually, I was thinking, I'm like, this is really our last episode and it's really another year is about to start. I don't know where the time went. So, can I ask, since we're just on this kind of um, looking back for the year, so after all these, just like really briefly, what have been your favorite um, things about reading Mark like this or meeting? Every, we've been meeting every week for almost a year. Like, well, seeing your guys' faces, I mean, is. that's what ah, I was fishing just for. That's the highlight. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think just uh, reading Mark in a whole different way and really understanding that it was written for us as believers, as disciples to like really look if we're, we're living this cross way of living. So that makes no sense. Um, but I just think I, I probably just didn't spend that much time thinking in the way that we did um, throughout Mark and being pushed by the scriptures, like in this specific way that I feel like I did. So I think it was really challenging and and uncovered a lot for me yeah that's a great question jason i i've loved every minute of digging through this book doing it on myself but by myself then coming together and discussing things you know our conversations and then the conversations we have as we record um i, I learned something every time Every time I go back to the book and, and read through it, um, I, I love, I think the thing I love most is is to read a gospel like this on, on both levels. Not only what did Jesus say and do, but what is the, you know, to use this language, what is the sermon that Mark is preaching? What What is his voice in this? And to to really sort of ferret that out has been um, really helpful and challenging. And, and, and for me, now that we're done with this, it's probably time for, you know, me to move on to studying new books and we're, we're going into new things, but I've been kind of going through Mark for like a, a couple of years now. Yeah. And so it's, it's sort of like, wow, this is, this is the end of the road. Not, of course I can go back. Yeah, to it's Mark still going to be there if you want to read it again. <laughs> as far as like really in-depth yeah. study ripping through, it's, it's time to go into another book, but yeah, it's been a, 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 at least two year journey here of, of being in Mark almost every day. And so, awesome. um, yeah, it's, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I, 
I really got a lot out of our discussions. It's been a number of weeks now, but the, all, all the discussions we had about uh, the disciples missing the point, and that point was um, the cross at the center of you know what it means to follow Jesus. I think that's that's been rattling around in my mind, and you know, I just kind of. I hear it on a regular basis because we've talked about it so much, um, and it's challenged me. I, I'm I won't lie; like it's it's pushed me. It's given me like a new set of lenses through which to look at, you know, just my gripes and complaints, and even some of my pain, uh, some of the challenges of being in in full time ministry. It's come to the fore on a regular basis, and I've had to kind of run things through it through that lens or see things through that lens and it, and it changes things it it's forced me to wrestle and back down and in some some areas where i really believe i'm right or whatever i, I just um so i'm i'm grateful for this because it's put the cross back on the map for me in a in a new and much needed way so it's been awesome well it's been great and we're not completely done. Okay. We are going to do what we did last year. And well, when I say we, Michael and Jason are going to run down a list of their favorite books from the year that they will share. Yay. Yeah. I'll, I'll start, Jason. You want me are to we start? doing five? Is that the, the, what's, yes. the, what, what did we land on? Okay, five. All right. Five. Yeah. Five. I think that's top what five. we did last year. It's what okay. we talked about. Yeah. So, okay, here are my five. I'll, yep. I'll talk about them really quickly. One um, is a book that came out this year. It's it's a short book. It's like each um, each devotional or chapter is like two pages. So you okay. can't read it like a devotional book, but it's by Sky Jatani. Okay. And it's called What If Jesus Was Serious About the Church? Ooh. It's actually his third. He's had What If Jesus Was Serious? What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? And now what if Jesus was serious about the church? Um, Jatani has the ability to say a lot in a very concise way. That's a gift. And I, I think the book is a, a brilliant look at the church and the meaning of it and the uh, all of that. So I, I loved that book. Um, these are all books I've read this year, by the way. That's the only book that was actually published in 2022. Um, the next one was actually published in 2015. It's called Becoming the Gospel by Michael Gorman. Mm -hmm. uh, Becoming the Gospel, Paul, Participation, and Mission. It's a good one. And, oh, I love this yeah. book. Uh, it's, uh, you know, reading Paul in the way where he's he's talking about becoming the story of Christ, becoming the gospel yeah. of peace, yeah. becoming the justice of God. And uh, it's a great book. How the church is not just to do these things, but to become them and embody them and That's have awesome. them. Then uh, another one, which was uh, published in 2021. This is honestly, I've read a lot of books on race and from a biblical perspective. This might be my favorite. It's called Dear White Peacemakers by mm. Oshita Moore. Uh, she is has a great conversational tone. She is 
is full of grace and yet very persistent about things that need to change. But this is the most unwavering look at, at race and culture and conflict from the perspective of the Sermon on the Mount. She says, you know, what if we were actually called to live this out? What would this look like in this area? And so I think it's a it's a beautiful book. And then uh, another one that was 2021 is You Are Not Your Own, Alan Noble. Uh, love this book. It's about belonging to God in a in a world that has created an environment where everything tells us that we should create our own identities and the problems that causes because we're not created as beings to uh, self-identify, yeah. to self-create an identity. Yep. And so it creates – it's a great book. Yep. It creates a great deal of societal angst and depression and all of the negative things we see in society because we think that we are our own. And then the final one was published in 2016. Uh, I think this year was maybe the third or fourth time I've read this book. I don't read a lot of books more than once, but this is one of them. And it is The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. And man, this book is so good. It looks at how um, the rise of Christianity in the Roman Empire, how Christianity spread and what the early church meant by patience, which was so much different and so much more expansive than our view of patience. Uh, I think that's a, a really important book. So if any of those sound good to you, go check them out. Jason, what about you? Um, chicken soup for the Christian soul. Just kidding. Um <laughs> Uh, Nothing wrong see. with that book. Something no, I'm just kidding. I, no, it's uh, I, I I don't have anything wrong with it, any problems with that book either. Um, so it's been a fruitful year in terms of reading. I feel like I've uh, I've it's been awesome. This this is kind of tough for me. Um, so I'm going to start with and these are ob- probably obscure, uh, but they've really helped me. <laughs> and now I'm realizing they're also pretty dark, um, but. My Bright Abyss. <laughs> it's pretty dark. My Bright right. Abyss. Meditation. That was the happiest book you read this yeah, year. Yeah, well, but what a what a powerful title, My Bright Abyss. I mean, come on. My Bright Abyss, Meditation of a Modern Believer by Christian Wyman, uh, who is a professor. He teaches religion at Yale. Um, and this is just a, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, Thoughts about he 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 had a uh, struggle with uh, terminal illness, and he's just talked about what it looks like to trust God in in dark times. Uh, this is 2013, and it's it was it came along at the right time for me. Um, let's see. Um, okay. These are in no particular order, or even the order I read them in necessarily. The, this is newer. This is I, I mentioned this, I think, on here. I mentioned it somewhere publicly, but How to Inhabit Time, uh, Understanding the Past, Facing the Future, Living Faithfully Now by James K.A. Smith. 
And that's in my to read pile, right? It's great. Now. It, it really, I mean, there, I mean, <laughs> you know, there comes a point where underlining in a book loses its power. When you underline everything, it doesn't really help. <laughs> that this would right? be one of those where I just <laughs> underline everything. Um, <clears throat> but he's, he's trying to work through, you know, what a Christian understanding of time uh, means for us to live in eternity uh, now. Um, and how the past uh, plays an important role, but the danger of over over idealizing the past, and again, just came along at the the right time. That's twenty twenty two. That just came out Brazos Press uh, within the last couple of months. Uh, okay, um, open mind, open heart, the contemplative dimension of the gospel by Thomas Keating. Uh, this one um, is. Uh, a little off course for me, um, but I've had it for a while, and have and I I opened it. Someone suggested it to me again recently, and it's really changed my prayer life. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest it's 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 helped me um, see the value of slowing down and listening, hearing hearing God's voice. Um, uh, bit bit of a tougher read, but um. One of those that I would point to if said books that change your life, this would be one of them. It's changed my prayer life. How many is that? Three. That's that's three. We'll have okay. to talk about that one. That's interesting. I'm- yeah. Well, it, again, this 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 could this could push us as restoration Christians. It's definitely it's very Catholic, um, but it it's helped me a lot. I feel like I've had encounters with with God uh, by 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 um, by listening to some of the wisdom here. It's it's been good. Um, okay, let's see this. I'm almost finished with, but this is my favorite book of the year. Hands down. Um, this is, uh, W H Auden's for the time being a Christmas oratorio. It's, it's a poem, but it's a poem, um, about Advent. And I think this could just be recency bias because it's what I'm, I've been in for the last few weeks, but my goodness, this is just like a prophetic, retelling of the Christmas story in, in wonderful poetry. I, I love poetry. So this is, this has been one that I've known about for a long time and I've put off reading and I'm glad I'm in it now. So WH Auden for the time being. Okay. The last one is a, is a three-way tie. Um, but I think I'm going to go with um, the drama of doctrine a canonical linguistic approach to Christian theology. This was a tie between books that are very not like this one, but this one has also helped me a, a great deal. Kevin Van Hooser, uh, John Knox Press, and this is, forgive me, hang on, 2005. Um, but he's he's basically trying to, to help people see the Bible uh, as a story uh, which invites us in um, that to to have um, to have a relationship with the Bible is to be summoned to be an actor in a play. It's a, it's a drama. He thinks of the Bible as a drama, so it's helpful. Uh, a little long winded at times, uh, but but good. So that's where I put it. Great stuff, guys. Now, if people want to find this list. Can we post it on Facebook or how would people oh, get this list? Yeah. We could maybe do We can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Show notes. So if you guys want to know all those and you weren't able to write them down, you'll find it there. 
I have no books <laughs> to share. <laughs> that is not my realm. <laughs> Your books are uh, like um, Dr. Seuss and... You know. Yeah, but like you created a human this year. True. Very true. So, <laughs> you know, Jason yeah. and I read a lot of books. You made a person. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little difficult. You were. Um, but yeah, no. A lot of thought-provoking things from you guys helped challenge some stuff. And then, you know, my husband reads a lot. So I like to – I'm just not a reader. It's just not my thing. I've tried and – I, I do it for a little bit, and when I'm going through something, I've noticed I can. But that's when I read thing. too. Yep, I've been going through a lot. That's why I, when I re, I read when I'm s- struggling. So yep, that makes sense. Well, before we wrap up the show, we have already told you guys that we have a Patreon, and we've had some supporters. We've shouted them out, and we have a few more that we want to shout out that we recently just got support from. So we thank you, Richard O, Jeff W. Sam Y, Pierre S, Daniel S, and Karen H. We yeah. really appreciate all the support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think you forgot one, Gianna. You know, I wasn't Shut sure up. if I was meant to mention <laughs> yeah, it, but yeah. uh, Jason Alexander, he has also supported us. <laughs> <laughs> that is so pathetic. Let me just defend myself because that's pretty weird. I I did it because we did a Patreon (laughs) thing on some songs. And I asked Michael, can I hear what we said? I want to make sure (laughs) Uh, we didn't get a little too, you know, heavy handed. I always worry about that. But this was one I wanted to actually listen to. It's like, sure, you can listen to it. And I'm like, well, where? So I was like, I'm going to have to pay to do it. So I paid $5 to listen to something we recorded. Because can I, can I say why, what song it was? No. I think so. No. Okay. We did a song that we were pretty hard on. That is a song that is going to show up in my church's Christmas program for the kids. Because it's beloved by children everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't care. Yeah. I took a hammer yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they're not going to hear it anyways. They're not paying. No, one, And it's no fine one as a children's paying. song. Yeah. Whatever. Nice. But, it, but the next Patreon episode on uh, songs we shouldn't sing is away in a manger. Yeah. Yeah. So if you signed up for Patreon, you'll get to access all of that. Uh, well, Christmas. we really appreciate everyone's support. And we love to have the comments keep coming to us. Michael, do you want to share what the next year may look like? Oh, my goodness. It's going to look like 2023. And we're we're excited. We're going to continue our hermeneutic of expectancy Seeking to be trained readers reflecting Jesus, and we are going to put our reading glasses on and jump into the book of Ephesians. And so we'll start that in the new year. But gosh, we're so grateful for everybody um, listening, supporting, going on Patreon, sending really uh, kind messages, uh, reviews. I, I had never looked, I, I stumbled on. Um, somehow stumbled across our, our Apple rating um, on Apple iTunes or whatever oh, the other day. And it was, that. it was really, really cool. It was like 4.9. I was like, Oh, oh Hey, um, that's amazing. Yeah. So thank you so much. Those yeah. of you who have done that and it's been really encouraging and fun and we'll see it next year when we started in Ephesians. Dig it. All right. Well, 
For Michael Burns and Jason Alexander, I'm Gianna Hearn, signing off for the Icon Podcast. Merry Make sure you Christmas. reach out to us at Icon. Yep. Icon. Iconpodcast.com. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you guys next year. <laughs>